Good morning, Lake Gibson. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. Welcome, those of you here, those of you online, whether you're watching later, like, well, me and this thing, me, we have a... Okay, how do I cut it off, Christy? You're looking at a tech dummy. Here, here's one way to do it. It's still talking to me, Christy. Here, dear. Yeah. Y'all go ahead and laugh. You know I'm starting to be a comedian, right? Yeah, okay. Well, well... <laughs> And then we got one as a drummer. <laughs> oh well. Well, welcome. Whether you've joined us online or in purpose, uh, in person. <laughs> Woo! This is going to be one of them days, huh, Lord? <laughs> or even if you're watching this recorded, we're glad you joined us today. And I pray that God will make this event uh, a worship experience for you. If you're new to our service here, especially if you're online, we have an online connection card. It's located at our website at LakeGibsonUMC.com. If you will go online and fill that out, we would appreciate it. And if you'll click and check one of those charities listed there, we'll donate $10 in your name to that charity. So thank you even now for your participation and your generosity in that endeavor. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email is probably the best way. You can send your email to office at LakeGibsonUMC.com or you can send it to pastor at LakeGibsonUMC.com. The difference is I get both of them, but pastor only I get. So send it however is appropriate for you there. Or you can call us, and our phone number is 863-858-5431. Of course, we try to post upcoming events to our web page as well as to our Facebook page, so check those out. Understand also that immediately following this service today, we're going to have something called Zooming the Peace. Uh, where you can jump online on Zoom, you can see your friends, you can see the things that are going on, you can talk with them. Uh, that's hosted by Dwight and Phyllis Kitchens, and we appreciate them doing that. I host a Bible study on Thursdays at 1 p.m. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 uh, this week. You can join that. You can also join Miss Sue's Sunday School class at 9.15 on Sunday mornings via Zoom. All of those links are listed on our website. Just go to the website, click on that Zoom link, it should take you right into that particular event. Um, any other things that need to be announced today? Don't forget, May 15th, mark your calendars, May 15th, the men are hosting a antique, I shouldn't say antique, classic, I think is the word we're using, right, Tom? Classic car and motorcycle show here. Uh, it's going to have different... I'm, I'm hoping they've got a 1968 Chevelle SS blue with a white racing stripe with black interior, four-wheel, uh, four-speed Hurst, uh, you know, with air conditioning that somebody wants to get rid of. Maybe they want to just give it to a pastor, you know. But, uh, or if not, maybe, maybe there's a nice uh, Indian motorcycle out there, you know. I, I can take either one of them. Okay, you ready to worship God? Let's go to him in prayer. 
Father, we come to you and we thank you for this beautiful day that you have given us this day. Thank you that you've allowed us a little bit of joy even as we begin this, but it's more joyous for us to be in your presence this day. To be here and to celebrate you, to remember the resurrection and the goodness that you have and the love that you have for each of us. Help us now just to worship you with all that we have, all that we are. To forget about those things that have been bothering us this day, whatever they may be, and concentrate and focus on giving you praise now. By the Spirit, the way I do sometimes. But anyhow, God through the Spirit was kind of pressing on me, if you will. And I kind of got this, this feeling from the Spirit. said, well, what if the thoughts that you're saving for, for that Sunday moved, moved one person this Sunday? Well, gee, Lord, isn't that what I'm trying to do every Sunday? You know, I'm, I'm having this conversation back and forth. Penny, my wife tell you, I, I'm nuts. Uh, I talk to myself sometimes. Uh, sometimes she catches me. Most of the time I shut up when I hear the door open. But anyhow, not all the time. Um, so isn't that what I'm trying to do anyway? Well, yeah, but what if you moved one person this week and they said something to somebody that wasn't going to be here Pentecost Sunday? I said, what do you mean, wasn't going to be here? They ain't going to show up? I said, no, they're going to be with me in eternity. Well, gee, Lord, I'm, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the answer is, well, maybe I don't want to hold back. Said, That's what I'm telling you. He said, besides that, think of it this way. Just like you preached last week that every Sunday is a little Easter. Since the first Pentecost, really and truly, every day can be a little Pentecost. Okay, Lord, I'll go ahead and put it together and... So everything I had ready for Christy and David on Thursday got threw out the window, and they never got it sent to them. In fact, I even erased it, and here we go. Okay, Acts chapter 1, first. Acts chapter 1, verse 15, we read this. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Together, the crowd numbered about 120. So we've got 120 believers right now, okay? 120 people that are banding together uh, that believe that Jesus Christ rose, if you will. Now, think with me today. Jim, you've got to put your thinking cap on here, okay? There's 120 people there. Who are they? Well, let's see. We know the 11 disciples and Matthias who was chosen to replace Judas. And we can figure that Lazarus and Mary and Martha are there and, and maybe the mother of Jesus and maybe even James. But... That leaves a hundred people that we have no idea who they are. Names aren't listed anywhere. People just like you and me. But people that believed in Jesus Christ, that believed in the resurrection. Ordinary people that were trying to live the best they could, to live their faith out and follow God's commands and love one another. And then we get to Pentecost. Now before we go on, let, let, let's talk a little bit about Pentecost. Now, you and I have a different meaning of Pentecost than the Jews did at this time or do today. You and I recognize Pentecost as being when the Spirit falls and when the church began, if you will. But Pentecost to a Jew, which everybody was at this time, those that are in this religion pretty much, was a little different. It was called Shavat. You ever heard of Shavat? Okay, Shavuot was primarily the beginning of the period when they came together and they thanked God for the first fruits, normally of the wheat. You know, wheat was very important. 
you wanted bread, you had to have wheat, right? We still do. So it was very important, and this is what they came together and celebrated. And it was also associated with the fact that the law was given to Moses. So to a Jewish person at this time, that's what Shavuot or Pentecost meant. Now, it's called Pentecost because it occurs 50 days after the Passover. Now, I want you to catch something else. If it occurs 50 days after the Passover, if the Passover is always a Sabbath, that means it could not occur on a Sabbath day because it would have to occur 49 days after if it was going to be on a Sabbath day. You, you following the drift? The drift is what's going to happen is happening among normal people and it's happening on a day that's not the Sabbath, if you will. And it also happens in a place that's not the sanctuary. This event happens, we think, in the temple courts. That was the outer court that anybody could come into, and then they had the different levels. You could only go in so far if you were this or that, and only Jewish men could go on the interior. I'm sorry, ladies, I didn't make that up. That's, they, they come up with that. So we think it happened out in the public area, maybe even outside the temple walls, but we're not sure about that. Okay, so this is going on. And this event that happens is not read by a preacher. Not a single one of these people that speak have been to cemetery. I mean seminary. <laughs> but I didn't actually slip there. They have been to the cemetery. There's the power. Every one of them believes that Jesus Christ got up from the grave out of that cemetery. There's the real power. So... These are the people that are doing this. Now, too often, you and I today, when we read this event that we're about to read, we always talk about Peter, how great Peter is. He was the beginning of the church. You know, he's the one that said, thou art the Messiah, you know, all this good stuff. And he, he became one of the great leaders of the church. But remember, there's 120 people here, not just Peter. Or not just Peter, the apostles. And I'm going to show you another way I come up and figure this. When we read through this, and we'll read through it in just a minute, when you start counting the people that say that they heard the gospel in their own tongue, there's at least 17 different languages there. That's more than 12 apostles. And we'll get there in just a moment too. So let's look and see what happened this day. And while we're looking at this, let's remember there's 120 people taking part of this People like you and I today. Okay? Acts chapter 2. We read, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Now, the King James says they were all together in one accord in one place. Okay? And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. I thought we'd have a drum roll there, but... <laughs> and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them. Cloven tongues, the King James says. And a tongue rested upon each of them, all 120 of them. Don't forget that. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages. Had the Spirit gave them ability. They were all together in one accord in one place. What do you think they were together doing? They were having church just like you and I today. 
They were come together, they were praying, they were singing their psalms probably. They were talking about what Jesus had did, what he meant to them, and wow, something extraordinary happened. A wind came through. The Holy Spirit fell upon them, however you may want to put it. And they began to prophesy, preach is what I'm talking about. Preach, they begin to tell the gospel story in other languages. Languages they didn't know, but languages which were understood by the people that they were surrounded by. Because see, at this time, with it being Shavuot, the Jewish male was supposed to come to Jerusalem if he could. And they were there. There was many people from all over that were there. And they're about to hear the gospel in their own native tongue, if you will. Now, we often read this and we think of, in this context, we think, well, people need to hear it in their own language. Those who speak Spanish and Spanish, those who speak English and English, those who may speak Russian and Russian. But what if we flip this just a little bit? And if I told you, not only do you need to hear it in your own language, you need to hear it in your own culture. And here's what I mean by that. Here in the United States, English is the official language, but I'm often told I don't speak English. I speak redneck. <laughs> Y'all get what I'm talking about. There is a different culture, subculture, even a different way of pronouncing and the different vocabulary we use compared to people here in, in Upper Michigan. Yeah, you betcha. Okay. Or even in California. Hey, dude. You know? And even within... Each area, there are subcultures, if you will. People that talk different. Let me give you an example. We got redneck here. We got yuppie here. We got executives. We got business. We got blue collar. We got athletes. We got all kind of different subcultures. And each one of them uses language a little bit differently. You know, like, hey, dude. Or, hey, you want to go get some vittles? How many of y'all going with me? Y'all haven't even figured out what Vittles is, except David back there, he's saying, let's go get barbecue. You know? So we talk a little bit different. We use a little bit different nomenclature. We, we relate differently. But if we were to say that these 120 not only spoke languages, but were able to speak to the culture, you're going to listen better, aren't you? You're going to understand better. When the gospel is explained to your culture, as well as to your language, it opens up doors. That's what Wycliffe does so well. That's why Wycliffe's still out, still trying to translate Bibles into different languages. So, they're speaking in tongues or in cultures for you and I. Verse 5. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. Not only living there, they had came for the festival. And at the sound of this, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these speaking Galileans? There was, all these guys are rednecks and yet they're talking these other languages and they ain't even been to school. I don't even think they have a seventh grade education and yet we're hearing them speak our languages, known languages. I thought there was another part of that verse, David. There we go. Oh, I'm sorry. My mistake. 
Count these. Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phagra, Philippia, Egypt, other parts of Liberia belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, plus the Jewish language. We got over 12 there, didn't we? So there's got to be more than just the 12 apostles who are talking here. Cretans and Arabs, there's two more, see? And in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they're filled with new wine, or they're drunk. Okay, so what's going on? They're hearing the gospel explained to them in their own language, in their own context, in their own subculture. They're hearing it whether they be a redneck or whether they be a UPN or a Californian or anything else. They're hearing it explained where they can understand it. But then there are some people who say, no, they're drunk. Don't miss this. People will always think you're witness. The gospel is garbage and baloney. There are people who will think that way. But guess what? That doesn't excuse you and I from telling them. It was still put out there. What the people thought about it, they have to take responsibility for that. You and I have to take responsibility for telling them the gospel. And look what Peter says here. Now, they pick on Peter. I wish... I really wish sometimes when I read this, couldn't you have picked somebody's name that we don't know so that we would understand that more than Peter was standing there doing this? Because here's what I believe. All 120 were basically given the same testimony. They were, saying the, they were telling the same thing. They were telling the events of what happened. Here's what Peter says. Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. What am Yeah, they can't be drunk at nine o'clock in the morning if they got eight hours sleep, can they? They shouldn't be, anyway. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, that means preach. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days, I will pour my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Remember, at this particular time, women were not even allowed to give testimony in court. They were considered unliable, unreliable. I, I didn't make that up, ladies. That's something that was in that culture. But here, here, Peter says, men and women will know about God. God can, or Peter continues, I will show you portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. I thought we had a drum roll there, but. <laughs> the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice, he's talking to the people. He's talking to the Hebrew people, those who were there for this Shavuot. Remember, they understand the gospel, 
or let me rephrase that, that's not true. They understand the Old Testament, which is the only Bible that they have at this time. Okay? They understand that. They're steeped in it. And now Peter is trying to set for them and say, this event that you see happening here is set within our history and with our context. And it's something God has said he was going to do for us, among us, at this particular time. Peter's telling them, this is God working and fulfilling his promises to us that go all the way back to Moses and even before. And I'm telling you the same thing today. When we read this, we need to remember God is working among us here today. And this story is all about him. It's his story, if you really want to know the truth. So, we continue and see what Peter says in verse 22. You that are Israelites, meaning you, you that know the scriptures supposedly, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs. Remember all the signs Jesus did? Remember the Pharisees kept coming up to him say, show us a sign? He said, how many signs I got to show you, dude? Called a man out from the grave. I healed some lepers. I cured some people from hemorrhages and everything else. What more do you want? Tested by the signs and the wonders. And the signs that God did through him among you as you yourselves know. In other words, it's kind of common knowledge out there that this Jesus done these things. And this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Notice what that does. That tells him that you may have done this, but God already had it ordained. God already knew what was going to happen. So this was no surprise to God. That takes all the mystery out of it. Now people can't say, yeah, but a, a real God wouldn't let that happen to Jesus. A real God wouldn't let that happen to his son. He knew what was going on from the start. It says, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up. Freed him from the death, which you sang about for us. Because it was impossible for him to be held in the power. Remember, I said that last week. If Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God and the eternal life dwells in him, there's no way he was going to stay in that grave. Impossible. Peter goes on, he's talking to them. He's trying to convince them that Jesus is who he said he was. He says, David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand, so I will not be shaken. If you'll remember, Jesus asked the Pharisees this question there toward the end. When they was asking him for a sign, he said, let me ask you a question. How come David says, I saw my Lord? And he kind of goes on and gives them the inference that David saw me. He was talking to me. Because I saw my Lord always before me. He's at my right hand, so I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad. My tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. Look at that real close. Back, back up there, David, please. Back to Christy. Back to 26, wasn't it? The one that says he will not abandon. I will not abandon your soul to Hades. You will not experience corruption. Jesus Christ didn't do any of those things. God raised him from the dead. He didn't experience hell because he was innocent. He didn't experience any 
corruption. His body didn't begin to deteriorate because God breathed life back into him. Okay, continue. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Peter's telling them how Jesus Christ fits the bill, if you will. The description of the Messiah. How this is the one they've been waiting for. Now remember, that's the whole deal with the Jews. They're waiting for the Messiah to come. And Peter's telling him, this is it. Don't wait for anything else. He continues, says, fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently, our ancestor David both died and was buried. In other words, I can take you over here and show you the tomb. His tomb's still with us today. I can take you over and show you where David is, but I can't take you over there and show you where Jesus is because he ain't there. Verse 30, since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would, not put one, that he would put one of his descendants on the throne. For saying this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. That's the same thing we just read, verse 27. There's witness in the Bible that Jesus Christ was going to get up from the grave. It's already there. And Peter's trying to tell them, here is where it was set. This Jesus God raised up. And of that, all of us are witnesses. In other words, this Jesus God raised up, all 120 of us are talking about him. Every one of us. He continues and tells them more. It says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's poured out this that you both see and hear. In other words, this thing you're seeing and these words we're telling you, guess what? They're from God. They're from him. And he says, I can prove this and I show you this because David did not descend into the heavens. But he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. In other words, we know where David's at. But he had already seen what God was going to do with Jesus. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty, God has made him both Lord and Messiah. This Jesus whom you crucified. Wow. He's putting it out there on him, isn't he? This Jesus that you killed. God raised from the dead, and he's both the Lord and the Messiah today. He's the one you're waiting on, Israel. What are you doing now? It says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the other apostles, let me rephrase that. They said to Peter and the other 120, what should we do? And Peter and the 120 others said to them, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you, your children, and all who are far away, and everyone whom the Lord calls to him. The promises for whosoever will believe, wherever you may be. Now, imagine with me. That story is being repeated by 120 people, not just Peter. In every language, in every context, 
Everyone's hearing it where they can understand it, if you will. God left nobody out, and he leaves nobody out today. The main points about that whole sermon there, if you call that a sermon, was just telling the story of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Now, you, you know, if we'd said this today, and I said, is there any questions? What's going to happen? going to be 150 questions. Well, that happened then too. Because look what the rest of the scripture tells us in verse 40. He testified with them many, with many other arguments. In other words, many people were saying things and he seemed to be answering them. All 120 of them seemed to be answering them. And he exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized that day about 3,000 people were added. Wow. 3,000 people were added. And they've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread. Now, this is what happened in Pentecost as you and I know it. Go back to Shabbat. Jewish feast to Pentecost. Thanksgiving for the first fruits. 3,000 people. First fruits of the gospel being preached. Also, Shavuot, a day when we remembered God giving us the Ten Commandments, the day God gave us the Holy Spirit. You see how they kind of fit together? How one was, if you will, a forerunner of the second. And how they're coming together. The first fruits, 3,000 souls, the Holy Spirit gave God. Brings them to us. Now, here's my question. Here's what I want you to get out of this. What started me on this as I was thinking, you know, in the first church, the, the, the early church, they didn't have people that were trained to get up and speak. There was a bunch of, bunch of fishermen. And you know fishermen are liars. Y'all know that, right? You know, I caught a fish this big. We really they call something. They had to throw back. It was a bunch of fishermen. Or other rabble, as many people called him. None of them had, the, you know, the only one that would have passed the pedigree was Judas Iscariot. <laughs> He's the only one that his resume would have got passed today. But all these people, not trained, they're out there just telling what God has done for them. What they saw, what they heard, how God has worked in their life. And people were coming to believe. 3,000 were added there. Do you realize that the church started with common people telling their neighbor, their brother, their sister about what God did for them and then believing it wasn't some preacher or some Billy Graham speaking in a crusade or in a church and people just came down in droves? It was people like you and me, the 120 of us, just telling other people, let me tell you what God did for me. And they come to know Jesus Christ. I'm going to say something that you probably may not have ever heard anybody say. But I'm going to put it out there. We don't need more preachers today. We need more common believers that will go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. The people that know that the power from on high lives in them through the Holy Spirit. The people that know that the gospel story is still true. That it still 
is active in this world today. Those who believe and expect God's word to achieve his purpose, to free souls from sin, to ransom them from hell, to transform them into Christian people, taking the love of God to those in the world today. That's who we're supposed to be. That's the real meaning of Pentecost. The Spirit is out there for all of us, all 120 of them. And every one of us can tell that gospel story. And it still has power to bring people to Christ today. Here's the question I have for you. Will you be one of those 120? Will you go out there and tell people about Jesus Christ today? You don't have to use fancy words. You don't even have to be a redneck or a UPer. You know. Youper. Youper. Oh, I'm sorry. See, I told you it's different context for different people. Jay, I know what a redneck is, but an ooper? I thought that was the thing you call that you ride in. Hey, what is it, David? The redneck missionary? Yeah, the cracker pastor. Yeah, okay. Different contexts. People here are different. Will you be out there telling whatever your context is? Whether your context is playing cards today, playing golf with somebody, your context is knitting, crocheting, whatever your context is, retirement. Maybe your context is a job. Within that context, just tell and show people Jesus Christ. That's what Pentecost shows us. That just that normal story that we tell has the power to change lives and enlarge God's kingdom. So, I'm going to ask if the band will come forward now if I'm not on their bad list. I can let it go by once, but twice? We'll see. Anyhow, but I'm so glad that the same power lives in you and I. We're brothers and sisters, even if we don't quite get the language. I want to pray before they sing for us, and I want to, I want to set the tone for the song. Lord, I come to you today and I thank you for the power of Pentecost. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you still want to work in people's lives. And I just pray for us gathered here, whether we be here in the sanctuary or whether we're online or whether we're watching recorded. Impress upon us the importance of telling others the story of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Of telling them what you have done in each of our life. And showing others the patience and the love that God had for each of us. We ask in your name. Amen. Now many people often say, well, I can't go out and I can't tell the story. Uh, they'll say, I don't expect anything to happen. Wrong word. You know, we've already heard in a song today that Jesus Christ lives in us. We're about to sing a song that says the same power lives in you and I that rose Jesus from the grave. That means the same power lives in you and I that lived in Peter and the other 120. And the same power that brought 3,000 the church that day can bring 3,000 more today through you and I. And if 3,000 came through Peter and there's 120 others, how many would that be? Stand and give God the praise and the glory and go forth, plan to go forth with the same power living in you that rose Jesus from the grave so you can tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. Lead us on. 
somewhere on 2 Corinthians chapter 16. A couple of other things before we get to this, though. I want to explain something to those who may be watching, as well as many of you here already get this. Um, we've kind of reset our sanctuary. And we, we've set it to one side is closer together, and those people that have had their shots, and there are two weeks out where they are supposed to be fully vaccinated, if you will, they can set closer, CDC says. So we've, we've got them set up a little closer. We still ask you to wear face masks. That's so we won't be spitting in people's faces and stuff like that. And then the other side's a little further apart. And if you haven't got your shots or you haven't been two weeks out yet, and that's, that's your decision, we ask you to sit over here trying to keep the sanctuary safe. Also, has, this is the last day I'm going to ask that you have to make reservations unless something changes. From now on, you don't have to make reservations. Just come. The only stipulations that we're going to do, which we are required to do by CDC, is those of us that are up here or in the sound booth or the ushers that come into contact with different people, we're going to have to continue to take our temperature and make sure that we're okay as we come in here. But as far as the rest of it, come on, I'm going to use some common sense. I don't care what powers that be may say. Please come to church. Please watch us online. I don't care if you watch us online or if you're here in person or whatever, but please just participate. Okay? So we're going to take some of those shackles off, if you will, so that you don't have to do some of those things. Okay. Let's see what kind of praises and prayer requests we have. Joanne Beebe is asking us to please continue prayer for her grandson, Nate. Nate is not doing well. His kidneys are now blocked. As most of you know, he's, he's been undergoing chemo and some other things. Uh, he's got a birthday tomorrow for 42 years old, so we want to pray for that. Uh, yeah, happy birthday, Nate. But we're praying for him and uh, God's miracle working there. Um, that's all you have. Okay, I'm going to ask you to please pray for our preschool director, Letitia Cook. She was in an accident Friday. Uh, her car is, uh, I'm not going to say it's total, but she's not going to be driving it for a while. And uh, she kind of bruised up and beat up and they didn't keep her in the hospital, but she's got some black and blue marks and she's probably, I haven't talked to her today, but I imagine she's pretty sore. So uh, pray for her, if you will. Of course, we want to pray for all of those uh, that have been affected by shootings, especially this FedEx and other ones. And I don't know if you saw it, and I'm going to ask for special prayer for this. At 4, 4.50, I believe it was this morning, there was a three-year-old child that was ran over and killed over at the St. Pete Bridge. And I'm especially asking for prayers because all they've released thus far is the three-year-olds from Bowling Green, Florida. So um don't know who it is, don't know how, but just whatever that family is going through, and, and all, please pray for them. So... Let's go to God in prayer. Did, was there any other requests from here? I'm sorry? Kathy Hess, okay. Yes, ma'am, Ellen. A praise! Yes. Okay. Thank you, Lord. In case you couldn't hear, the friend we were praying for had his leg amputated on, got up after he came home from the hospital and took his dog for a walk. So, all right, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that the same power lives in us that rose Jesus from the grave. We thank you, God, that the gospel never loses its power. Lord, we just pray that you would open the eyes of those in need this day, that you would have that power remove their mountain of doubt. 
those that may be walking through a ton of grief or whatever it may be in their life today, thinking of, of Nate and this parents of this three-year-old as well as those who have been affected by different shootings this week and other accidents, we lift them before you and ask the power of your gospel to hold them close, to let them know that their loved one is with you. And Lord, just pour your love into their life in such a way that they feel your presence there. And even now, we pray for those that are undergoing different uh, tests in different situations, whatever it may be. Whether they're despondent this day, whether they're worried about a job, housing, food, whether they're worried about a doctor's pronouncement of something that may have showed up in a test or they're awaiting the results of the test, whatever may be going on, even going through a divorce maybe. We just lift them before you and we just ask that you would minister to them even now. That you would make a way where there seems to be no way. That you would bring comfort. And that even right now, you would, pay, you would say the words, peace be still in their spirit. That storm, that storm that is just buffeting them would calm. They would feel your presence walking with them. Go with us now and help us to go forth to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ and share with them your love. We ask in your name. Amen. Hope to see you back here at 1030 next week.